For international money transfers at your fingertips, choose Western Union, the fast and reliable way to send money to loved ones. Plus, new customers can enjoy a $0 transfer fee until October 31st when sending money online. Visit westernunion.com or download their app to get started today. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906-983 or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906-985. Term supply, FX gain supply. From earaches to strep tests, visit Miniclinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's how healthier happens together. Services vary by location. Prescriptions can be obtained at pharmacy of choice. Visit miniclinic.com for details. Ready for the interview and if you get a cue live on a laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, doctor, DPHD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, a home for the local. Gotta be social, network, global, a home for the local. All right, back with Dr. D's social network, this time with Corey Lefkowitz. Corey, how are you? Good job. That's a tough last name to, to get. Woo, I made it. I did it just right, right? Perfect. Awesome. Well, I came across your YouTube channel and just love all the variations of things you're doing uh, with exercise, workouts, the fitness industry. I just thought this person seems very approachable and I said, hey, I'd love to talk to Corey. So Corey from Southern uh, California, tell me a little bit about your journey starting out in the fitness industry. I'd love to hear kind of the genesis of that. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm super excited. Uh, in terms of being very approachable, that is one of my missions with everything I do is to be very authentically me. Uh, and I started out in the fitness industry actually because I was a collegiate athlete, because I grew up playing sports. And I actually originally thought that I wanted to write about sports. So I went that Avenue and realized very quickly, like, I don't like being a fan. I actually like being involved. And so then I got involved in fitness. Um, I still sort of wanted to be the athlete at the beginning myself. So I entered a powerlifting competition, which amazingly, I actually won the, the Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Rhode Island, uh, best overall raw powerlifting champion. Can't even say it, but <laughs> I, I won that after training and not really expecting much. But then being the strongest I'd ever been in my life, all of a sudden I got injured and that sort of sent me down a new path because I thought I'd wanted to train athletes. You know, I thought I wanted to be an athlete still. And I realized like, holy cow, here I'm lifting heavier than ever before, but I'm getting injured. Like what's going on. So that sent me down like the whole path of corrective exercise. It sent me down all the mobility work, which I now am like the biggest fan of, and that's my nerddom. So <laughs> it sent me down this whole other path. And through that, I found that I really liked training what I consider to be dysfunctional people, because I consider myself a slightly dysfunctional person, but people that, you know, are really looking for better ways to move better in everyday life that are looking for that functional strength to be empowered through exercise and diet and like lead their healthiest, happiest lives. And so through that, I got into macros as well, but that's really what sort of led me to even pushing all the online stuff that I did, creating all the YouTube videos that I did because I had clients even that were like traveling or working out outside the gym and being a site control freak. Well, big control freak. <laughs> I wanted to exert more control over them, even when they were traveling. So I was creating that content for them. And from there it really grew. So it was my own mistakes that I learned from that. I wanted to help other people. 
Uh, I mean, it's, it's certainly grown. And I think we have very similar, like I was a collegiate athlete as well. And I understand that grind. I mean, it's a different type of grind. And I think sometimes hard for other people in our business to understand that they haven't been in it uh, for that. But tell me a little bit about how that shaped you early on and how you've transitioned from that. Like you're talking about mobility. I'm very much into mobility, stability. I, I resonated with that when I saw a lot of that you're doing on your site. I said, oh, there's, there's a spirit here that's very similar. So take me through that. Well, I think having that athlete mentality, it serves you really well when you're growing your business, when you're trying to help other people, because you kind of have that attitude of you're never going to give up. Uh, and the curse of the trainer, as many trainers will sympathize with, is that we sometimes want it more for our clients than they want it for themselves. And so I think having that athlete mentality helps us really push to get through to them. So I think it's very productive in that way. In terms of our own health and fitness and the lessons we had to learn because of it, we definitely have that like no pain, no gain attitude. And so I think, you know, for me, it was, I would push through pain. It wasn't, you know, good enough unless it was hard enough. And I felt slaughtered from the workout <laughs> and through that attitude, I made a lot of mistakes. I got injured. I had those different things happen and it allowed me to really learn to train a lot smarter over just training harder. So I think, you know, being that athlete really showed me sort of the dark side of trying to do more so that I can steer my clients away from that. Because I, I know a lot of clients like will push through, you know, running with aches and pains or will even think, oh, I, I got away with not doing the warm up for a while. Right. And they think it's their age catching up with them. And I'm like, well, actually it's your poopy warm up practices from way earlier on that are catching up with you. And the sooner we correct those, the better, you don't have to let age limit you. But I think, you know, all those lessons that I learned from being the athlete pushing through, I can now instill in my clients like better practices. So I think that's very, very helpful. Yeah, most definitely. Take me through a little bit about your journey into mobility. Uh, as I said, is something that I notice uh, pretty prominently on your YouTube page. How did that become a much larger aspect of your work in the business? Yeah, so after my powerlifting championship, I was lifting heavy, as I said, and now I can actually lift a lot heavier, which I credit to the mobility work, mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because you know, here I was competing and training for it. And now I can lift heavier without actually training for it, but it is because of the mobility work, but I got a hip injury and all of a sudden I couldn't do any of the training I was doing. And at this time I was teaching like fitness classes as well. So a lot of my livelihood was even based on being able to move. And so out of this injury, I was like, how does this work that I technically could lift more but I'm having stuff add up in a way that I'm getting injured. So then I started to really investigate, you know, like what created overload, what mobility restrictions did I have? And it led me down this path of being like, oh, the ankle injury I got in tennis like two years ago led to glute underactivity and that created this. So it led me down that whole thing where I started to piece together little things that worked for me. And as I pieced them together and experimented and created progressions for myself, I then started implementing those on other clients as well when I saw different dysfunctions. And so that led me to just really dive into corrective exercise and see seek out all the different modalities out there. Because I think too, when we look at mo like mobility work or stability work, we get very much into like different fitness camps, right? You have like the functional fitness, you have bodybuilding, you have CrossFit, which all have their different perspectives on it. And the more I started to research each one, the more I realized that there were, you know, underlying commonalities between them, but also like things that I could draw from in each part to reach clients based on where they were at. Because I think that's a key thing too, is when you're working with different clients, different things will resonate from coaching cues to the techniques you use based on what they'll be able to be consistent with. So through all of that and the experimentation on myself, and then 
experimenting on my clients, which I lovingly even told them, Hey, you're my guinea pigs for some of this stuff. I came up with that three-part process, which I now use every single warm up with clients, which is like foam rolling over active and tight muscles, stretching, especially using dynamic stretching before their workout. And then doing the activation, which not only helps uh, create that my body connection or improve that my body connection, but it activates underactive muscles. And through the process called reciprocal inhibition also stretches out those tight muscles. So by combining those things, I realized like, Hey, it's not just one modality, even it's how can we use all the different ones together? And then how can we take them and make them intentional in their strength work after that? Cause as you know, like you could have someone do all the mobility work possible, but if they then aren't training intentionally, they could create those overload patterns, those improper movement patterns during their workout. So it's getting them to then not just want to push harder, not just want to keep up with that follow along video, but actually be intentional with the movement. So they make sure the right muscles are working. Let's nerd out a little bit, as you said, and talk a little bit about, you mentioned creative progressions. Let's, let's go through that and your definition of that and, and how that happens for you. It's a large part of my program as well with people, but I think this is great for other trainers, especially and people in our business in the consumer. Talk a little bit about that concept. So I think creating progressions is a very interesting thing because we have on the one hand, you know, CrossFit workouts of the day where there's not like a clear progression and it's very much Mm -hmm. like some people will say it's randomly strung together, (laughs) but I think the best athletes there actually do have very clear progression, even if it's not progression as we think about it. So I think there's a lot of way to create progression, but I do think that in this day and age of a lot of the different programming and especially clients like pulling randomly from different things, they don't see the results they want because there is no thought as to how it reaches their ultimate goal. And so I think progression basically at the heart of it is creating something that you know is having everything strategically designed with that goal in mind. And not only the goal, but the client's current fitness level, their scheduling even, because I do think, you know, I see a lot of trainers sometimes even getting so rigid with the progressions that they don't take into account that, you know, a client's not going to feel good on every single day. Their schedule is going to change. There's going to be times they have three days a week to train and times they have five minutes, times they have, you know, two hours, right? And there has to be some flexibility in that. So I think it's really being aware that when you're doing this, you're designing workouts that allow them to see the build, allow them to track their progress, allow them to understand their movement patterns, but also give them clear direction, making sure that you're meeting them where they're at. Because like a lot of clients will ask us like, hey, you know, like what's the best training schedule. And I gave them a really annoying answer, which I know they all hate, but it's the honest answer is like, Hey, it really depends on what's realistic for you. Because if you only have 30 minutes to train three days a week, me telling you, well, one hour a day, uh, for six days a week would be ideal. Isn't going to make any difference because you're not going to be consistent with it. So we have to really design for the three actual realistic days that you have. And if you do that, you might combine, you know, full body days versus doing a hemisphere or upper lower split, right. Or doing body parts. So it's just about designing for the time you have, but making sure you have that clear progression because people often do also get frustrated when they're like, I'm working on pull-ups and they're not getting better. And I'm like, well, you put in some random work here on Monday and then some random work here on Thursday and then some random work here on, you know, Wednesday. And it's like, well, they're after different things. So that's why you're fatigued one week, but you're also not giving yourself that clear thing to actually track progress in. So you probably are making progress because you're working on it, but you just can't see it. So progression is allowing clients to really see that build, meeting them where they're at to direct them, you know, with that roadmap towards their goal. Most definitely. Most definitely. Tell me a little bit about what has changed the most in the business for you since you started. Like the fitness industry? Yeah. What's changed the most in your eyes and your, your viewpoint? 
so I don't know if it's changed or I've just been in it a lot longer to see <laughs> a lot more because I've been in it now for 12 years uh, yeah. and that's working in different aspects of it from customer service to owning my own gym and owning my own business. Uh, but I would say that one of the things that always worries me, and I, I think I see it more because of being on social media is the, the camps. So we get very almost religious about our fitness beliefs. And I think that's going to hold the industry back in general, because there isn't one size fits all. And as much as I love one way of doing things, I always recognize that there is something out there that's going to work for somebody else. And one of my favorite lines to use when I'm giving this example to people is you don't tweak the freaks. Uh, this is actually a line from my husband. One of his coaches said that to him, but I think it's really true. Like each of us has a little freak and there's going to be some random thing that works because of X, Y, and Z in our life. Right. And so the more we can be open to that, the more we can see an option or opportunity in someone doing the potato diet and seeing success with it, the more we can actually learn and grow and be able to help our clients a lot better. So for me, it's yes, there are things that I'm never personally going to recommend. I'm never mm -hmm. personally going to use. I will make clients very aware that I'm not so on board with that. <laughs> At the same time, I also try and find the opportunity in them. So one of the things that I feel like I've seen is a lot more black and white thinking in terms of how people are approaching fitness when really there's so many shades of gray. There's so much opportunity in understanding all the diversity out there. So I really would urge people to not get into your own camp, but even challenge yourself and say, Hey, you know, if you're a vegetarian, maybe think why would someone want to eat meat? Or if you're a meat eater, why would you want to be vegetarian instead of just writing off the other, see the opportunity and why someone might actually like that. It might make you even more comfortable and confident in what you're doing, but it'll at least allow you to understand the other side. So especially if you're working with somebody, you can then help them lead their healthiest, happiest life and find their balance. Isn't it interesting how Fitness mirrors other aspects of society, the kind of the camp mentality. Strange. It that? does. It does. So and I strange. also think that we can use fitness to empower people and <laughs> get stuff to translate out into our everyday <laughs> life from, you know, feeling more confident in themselves, feeling stronger, feeling fitter, feeling healthier, happier, all those different things. Yeah, most definitely. Let's talk a little bit about the online environment, as I'm sure, uh, obviously, you have a very outstanding uh, YouTube channel and social media presence, how has that been a positive for you? And how do you see as a positive for others, but also how could it be negative as well? Kind of a three-pronged thing here. So it's very interesting. I mean, it's it's been wonderful in that I can reach more people, uh, hopefully provide very informative, helpful stuff so that they get more value out of it uh, and they can find what they're searching for. So I think in that, it allows us to really expand our reach. For me personally, it's also helped me grow my business so that now I could, and for me, it was especially exciting during COVID to be able to give some of my friends who are trainers jobs when their gyms had closed and that whatnot. But uh, it's one of these things that I think it gives us that opportunity to reach more people, to help more people, to really speak in a way that will resonate with them. And then for people to be able to find the information they're searching for. Uh, on the flip side, of course, there's a lot of information out there. And sometimes I think some we wish wasn't, but again, <laughs> it's seeing the opportunity even in that. Uh, it does also change how people interact. And I personally deal with trolls and that is what it is. In my mm. opinion, that's part of being online, mm. but it makes me sad when I see my clients who are celebrating wins or whatnot, when they sometimes get attacked or there's other naysayers where I feel like that wouldn't happen in person. So I do think it creates a little bit more of an attack culture than we would see. Otherwise, I do also think, you know, 
with more information, you get more good stuff out there. You get trainers who wouldn't be able to even reach the people they're reaching, reaching them. And I think that's great because we have so many other opinions, but again, you also do get people then who don't necessarily know what they're doing as much, who are sharing their stuff. But I just see it as a really good thing, honestly. Like even trying to think of any negatives, I th think it's very, very positive. And I think it's a tool that we can use to our advantage to really help more people get our message out there and allow more people to grow. So what advice would you give someone who's looking to kind of move in a similar direction as you are, grow their presence online, how to get started, how to grow that presence in a way that's authentic to them? Be you, like uh, be honestly you. That actually is even another good point with social media, right? A lot of times we're trying to present an image, trying to present a best self. And I think it's especially, you know, in the fitness realm, you're trying to look a certain way, do a certain thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you want to look a certain way, do you, but do you honestly and share of yourself? Because I think the more you let clients know that you've had those struggles or you've had certain things happen, the more that also helps them understand that their journey is while unique, they're not sort of an outsider or weird or alone, right? Because I think sometimes it can seem like a lifestyle is so unapproachable that people then don't feel like they can reach out for the help they need or that there's something wrong with them. So be you because you'll actually reach your clients better. I would also tell you, don't expect an overnight fix. And it's really <laughs> funny because I see this all the time with trainers coming online. They expect to post one thing and have it go viral and then the whole <laughs> world would love them. And that's not how it works, okay? I wrote a blog that I'm pretty sure not even my mom read. I think Ryan was the only one who read it uh, for like years. And I just kept putting content out there and out there and just sharing my information, sharing my knowledge, being authentic, providing the best that I could. And that's what really made it grow. So if you want the secret to the best results online, start posting and post consistently and post your best stuff. Don't hold back, post your best stuff and really try and speak to the audience you wanna help. And that's what's gonna grow you. I mean, it makes a ton of sense, a complete ton of sense with that. I think everybody wants the quick fix, right? They want to feel like I want to have all these followers, connections immediately, and I want to monetize it and all that. And I feel that's that's a very similar path for me. It's just like, you just got to put your head down and you, just, and you have to put out the content. You got to do the work. You have to continue to just grind every day and realize that like sometimes nothing's happening. <laughs> and, but, but something happening. is happening. It's happening. Yeah. It just feels like nothing's happening. And that's the perception you have in your mind, but it little by little, brick by brick. And this, and, and this is a, a good example for life. A lot of things in life operate this way. <laughs> we have to look at it like that. Yeah, we tell our clients, don't be impatient with your weight loss results. The progress is never linear. It's the same thing for building a business, especially online. And it is one of these things that like, you want to post one thing that just will resonate with people and you don't know what it will be, but the more informative you can be and the more you treat it like an in-person business, right? You wouldn't just walk up to a person in person and be like, look at this photo. Okay, now give me a lot of money, right? <laughs> but people go online and put up like one photo and then be like, join me for coaching. And it's like, they don't know anything about you. Why are you going to help them, right? So you got to treat it the same as building a relationship in person, even though it's sometimes awkward because you're not actually talking to anybody, but <laughs> it's the same thing. It's kind of like, I always tell people, it's like, would you like go on a date in the first moment you met them and go, I love you. <laughs> like, like, wait, I don't know you. I don't really know you. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's exactly the same. You got to treat it like it's still in person. Right. So what do you see uh, a speculation, obviously, as the future of the online environment for fitness and wellness professionals? 
Oh, good question. I would say that it's going to go a lot more towards coaching, uh, just mm. because I think more people are liking the flexibility of training from anywhere. Uh, they like going into their gym and I would say it even will be a little bit hybrid where people will be able to go into the gym, but also take their workouts with them. I know as a trainer myself, I like that because you can also have more control and we know mm. that it's not just about the hour session. It's about all the things they are doing the other times of the day of the week even. Uh, so I think it's going to be a lot more coaching because it's easy to find follow along workout videos. So you can get them for free on YouTube, right? People will provide this for free, but that's not actually helping someone learn about their body, their needs, their goals. It's not helping to hold them accountable. So I think it's really going to come down to, can you provide a really good service? Can you really meet people where they're at? Can you be a good coach online? That's really going to set you apart. But I think that's where it's sort of trending. Where do you see the technological aspects going and the actual like software hardware elements that may become more maybe futuristic? Seems futuristic to us now, but will probably be a standard thing online in the future. Yeah, that one's a tough one. I know they're trying to do all the like the the VR stuff and everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably the worst person to ask about that because I don't know anything <laughs> about it. But I can't fully see that taking off, but it's because I don't probably know that much about it. But I do think there will be a lot more video. Uh, I think all the technology will advance in a way that I can't even predict right now just to allow for better coaching. And I feel like I've even seen that in some of the coaching apps that are coming out where they're allowing, you know, follow alongs and the video demos and communication through the app and, you know, Zoom interactive links. So I think it's going to go the way of giving us a lot more personalization in things while also still giving the coach a lot more freedom in their lifestyle. I don't think that it's going to go the way of Zoom training sessions as much. And I don't know about you, but I do not, do not like Zoom training sessions. You can't see anything of the clients doing, and then you're standing there awkwardly, like what's going on? And it doesn't let, allow them to be intentional. So for me, I think there's going to be a lot more tools for the, the coach to use to make it very custom for the client without necessarily having to trade exact time for money with being there for one session. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, all of my business is, is virtual at this point and live, but uh, I do a lot of presentations on this. And I think we're going to see some very interesting stuff from not just VR, but holographic technology, I think is getting cheaper and cheaper. Even just last year, they, they did a holographic teleportation of scientists up to the space station. I just saw this. And that's like some Star Wars stuff, man. Like that's <laughs> like where you can actually Virt your virtual version of yourself will exist in someone's home or wherever place they want to be. Like that's mind blowing. That's like, yeah. I think we're not ready for this future. Like this could be so crazy and over the top, like insane, you know, like you would just train a client and maybe they'll like their avatar will be there. Maybe not necessarily the <laughs> type of thing. It could be nuts. Well, I think we think of that as nuts, but probably the first people yeah. using the internet, you know, for the very first time, were like, this is just as nuts. The first yeah. people driving the car for the first time were, this is just as nuts. So yeah. I feel like any technological leap we have, we're always like, what the heck have we gotten ourselves into? And then somehow we make it work. So I mean, think about what we'll you and I, think about what you and I are doing right now. I mean, yeah. when I was growing up, this was a movie. This happened in Back to the Future too. And it was like, oh, I can't believe the future could be like this. Okay, now everybody does it. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say now Zoom is like all people use and it's video conference every day, all day. So right, exactly. So I think it's uh it's gonna be interesting the applications of how we use this. I think there's applications for everybody. There's sometimes more some people want just kind of your online programming, some want more live virtual. 
Some people don't want any of that. They just want to be in the gym or a, a health club type of thing. I think there's a place for that. Where do you see, this is a loaded question kind of with like fitness and healthcare. Do you see that kind of merging at some point where there's, we're taken a little more seriously as a, a whole care or healthcare option for people instead of just, because sometimes there's a perception out there that we're kind of a gimmicky thing. Oh, that's nice that you're in the fitness, you know, type of thing. Which, what do you see that going? Well, I firmly believe we are the first line of defense. We are the people that should be getting clients when they have any little thing coming up. Uh, and I like to have any of my trainers, I like to tell them like, you're the PCP of the fitness realm as a personal trainer. If you can't handle something, you're going to refer them out to whoever else they need to go see from a dietitian to a physical therapist to whatever else, right? You are their first line of defense and we want to be preventative. And the more we do start to catch these things, the more we get people moving, the healthier our society is going to be. So I'm hoping it goes that route. Like I'm pushing for it to go that route. I'm doing everything in my power to help it go that route by getting clients moving, being like, Hey, you have an injury. All right, come in. We'll figure it out. We'll get you what you need. Right. Because the thing is, is we are too reactive. We are prescribing medicine instead of trying to figure it out. Like we're doing all of this imaging and demonizing moves and saying, you can't do something when you're getting older. And yet we're seeing our society move less well, get sicker. And it's like, well, these things are leading to that. It's use it or lose it. And I want us to make sure that as trainers, we are making sure people are using it so they don't lose it. Most definitely. What, what are your thoughts about our current system in terms of credentialing trainers, the education for trainers, people currently coming out into our business and maybe their lack of education or the type of education that they're getting to be effective on that end of our business. It's such an interesting thing because I have some of the most educated, well-rounded trainers who have the most unrespected CPTs originally, but because of their drive, their determination to learn, their dedication to their craft, they've read research studies, they've done their continuing education, and they are some of the most knowledgeable trainers out there that I think personally, I would trust them over someone who has a PhD. So I think it's a very interesting thing that's not easily unpacked because I don't think that just because someone has a, a higher degree, they're necessarily going to know more if they haven't worked with that average person, been in the trenches, seen the different mind-body connections that come out and seen how someone reacts and really stayed up with the research because so many of the textbooks are behind. So I think it's, a def it's definitely a difficult thing to sort of find a system that works because so much of it is about really working with people and seeing all the diversity. So I would say that as a trainer, what you need to do is focus less on just getting credentialed and more on actually learning. What is the research saying? You know, what can you learn from other people who have been in the industry longer, who have seen more, how many hours can you put in to really, you know, touch people's bodies, move people's bodies, learn about the movement patterns, see more things, experience more things, because that's really going to help you. So we definitely need something but what it is, I can't really tell you because I don't think just driving towards more letters by our name is really going to help us actually understand what we need better. Yeah, you know what's interesting is sometimes ever see someone who has like five or six certifications, I'm always like, I don't understand that. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, it's not going to creates it creates something person. more you know like I what was that person create? I graduated yeah. went in got like a bazillion things thinking it was gonna make me better no, and no. then I realized I'm like wow I know absolutely nothing <laughs> and so it was one of those things that once I stopped doing that once I started like 
learning from other trainers, once I really started just going to workshops based on different needs and goals and different things like that, that's where the learning really started. But it is one of those things that that's sort of what we've been taught, right? Yeah. Get your degrees, get those certifications, get the letters by your name. And it's, it's kind of empty and meaningless if we're not actually learning from the education we're getting. Most definitely. It was interesting is um, I always found there was a big disconnect. Like, I mean, I have my doctorate, but I've also been training for 22 years, consistently high volume training. And I wanted to have both sides of that equation. I didn't want to just be someone who knew research, but I also wanted to be a very dedicated practitioner at the same time. But I feel like that's not always the case. It's like a lot of the people who teach you, especially in the academic environment, never trained a person in their life. They're not, they're not in the trenches. And then sometimes people who have, um, who train a lot and don't have any education and say, like, okay, well, you want to have some level of understanding of the, the biomechanics, the motor learning and stuff like that. It's hopefully that we're headed towards a more well-rounded version of a trainer who's also not just great at those things, but, you know, um, understanding the psychology of people, uh, interpersonal relationships, mental health all these things. So I wanted to talk to you. Are you seeing more things with people you're working with that mental health has become such a larger thing that you're focusing a little more with this with people? I, I think as a trainer, you're part therapist being hundred percent honest. And I know no one wants to hear that, but going even back to the last question with everything, like as a trainer, you're coming into this, not because you like working out. Okay. I'll have a lot of trainers come in saying, well, I want to become a trainer because I like working out. That's not going to be enough to make you actually want to stay in the field. It has nothing to do with your own level working out because there's going to be days when you're first starting out learning everything where you won't want to work out yourself. Right. (laughs) And helping people is very different because you're going to have some people who won't want it. And you're going to have to learn how to get through to them. And no, you won't be able to help everybody. Uh, And the curse of the trainer is that you want it more for your clients sometimes than they want it for themselves. Mm -hmm. But a big part of what you're doing isn't just programming like moves. It isn't just recommending, you know, macro ratios or doing whatever you're allowed to do. It isn't just helping with injuries. It is honestly getting through to someone to get them out of their own way to get consistent with what they need to do. Because a lot of times they've failed a ton of different times doing other things. They've done the fad diets, you know, they've seen the quick results and then the big backlash. And so you need to really focus on reaching them where they're at. And that's sometimes really digging through a whole bunch of layers. So it is really about, those relationships that you build. And it really is about getting through to somebody and changing their mindset behind things. Like so much of the, what I do with my podcast has nothing to do with anything fitness related. It's all about the mindset, just because even if someone's given the right actions and they replicate the right actions, if they don't change the mindsets behind them, they're not going to keep repeating them. They're not going to actually believe in them. They're not going to truly give their 110%. And that's going to be why they see lackluster results. So I would say mindset is everything. You're, you're not going to get through to a client if you don't change their mindset. Most definitely. Last thing, what have you learned the most about yourself in all these years of working with people? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I've, I've heard it talk really fast, but I was sort of aware of that before. <laughs> you knew it. Still going gonna, still gonna to talk really fast. Um, learned about myself. I will not give up. That is one thing I've learned. Like, I will not give up. I don't give up on clients easily. I don't give up on other trainers easily. I don't give up on business easily. I will wake up at 4 a.m. to do something even that I'm extremely uncomfortable with. Uh, I've also learned that, and this was partly about myself because I did not like change, that the more you force yourself to do something, the more comfortable you get with it. And the more you're going to even put yourself outside your comfort zone in other areas. So 
big thing is I will never give up. And I would recommend that if you want to be in this industry and you want to see results and anything in life, you get that attitude of you won't give up either. Wonderful. Corey, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Love talking to other people in the business. Uh, tell all the lovely people how they can connect with you and, and watch all your awesome content. Well, you can email me at Corey at redefiningstrength.com and it's C-O-R-I. I'm on basically every social media channel as Redefining Strength. So reach out anywhere. I'm happy to chat. Thanks for your time, Corey. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower every note or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew cruising you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Annie had an earache on a Saturday of all days. So her mom brought her to Minute Clinic at CVS, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials like pain relief products, all in one visit, even on evenings and weekends. You can even see us online with telehealth options. For quality, affordable care on your schedule, visit Minute Clinic at CVS. That's how healthier happens together. Services vary by location. Prescriptions can be obtained at pharmacy of choice. Visit MinuteClinic.com for details.